Hello and welcome to episode 468 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always, this is St. Helen's number one fan, League Freak. <laughs> How you going there, mate? I'm going all right, but me and the Panthers, we're, we're kind of taking a break, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're like, our relationship isn't rocky. But I just need some space. That, that's understandable. It's yeah. complicated. It it is complicated, and it's it's not the Panthers. It's me, and um, I just I just don't want to see their face at the moment. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um Have you been looking over another fence? Uh, no, no, not so, necessarily. You know, Lands afar. I needed me time. <laughs> I needed to work on me as an individual and a person, and I just didn't want to have anything to do with them for a little bit. Now, um, I was wondering if maybe the reason why you didn't want to, um, you know, saying you didn't want to see the panther's face yes. is that probably because you couldn't due to the amount of salt that's outside your house. <laughs> <laughs> why do people enjoy it? When Penrith lost so much, I don't understand that. I don't, hey. I don't know, man. It's um, yeah. There's a lot of salt out there. There really is. You know what I'm finding really weird at the moment is that there's a there's only a very small group of them, but there's a group of Penrith supporters that are very like uh, super super defensive about everything, and it's like chill out, like be happy. We're doing pretty fucking good, but yeah, when uh. When whatever that team was come over and they won a game, it was just... Uh, that, that trial game. That trial game, yes. Yes, it was a trial game. Yeah. Um, Are they coming back next week for the real game? <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, oh. My guess is they'll never leave fucking Northern England again. <laughs> but um, the thing to get... You know, the night that it happened, I thought it was pretty funny because... You know, I I jumped all in on Penrith and they lost. And but the following days, I got really, uh, really bitter about it. (laughs) And I kept it to myself because, you know, I don't just lash out at people for no reason. I wasn't just going to lash out at the world. But yeah, um, that's not how the world works anymore. I know. I know. It's weird. It's weird. I dealt with it like a man. I yeah. just grabbed my emotions and jammed them down into my chest, waiting for, you know, my left arm to start tingling. But, um, but yeah, you know, life goes on. You lose a football game in February. It's not the end of the world, is it? No. No, it shouldn't be. No. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting quote that came out from the uh, the West Tigers today, which I found really funny. What was it? It's from Robbie Farrar. Yep. And he said, we're basically like the Jamaican bobsleigh team. And you know what he's trying to say here is we're the underdog that no one thinks is going to do anything. The problem is he doesn't realize that the story ended with the Jamaican bobsleigh team having their bobsleigh breakdown before they finished the competition. Yeah, they didn't do good. It was was worse than finishing last. They didn't finish at all. So it's like, thanks, Robbie. It's good to know that things are going to get worse. <laughs> he, you can tell he walked out halfway through that movie, hey? Yeah, yeah you saw John Candy's gone, oh, that's, that's all I need to see. He sh- I'm sure he said something funny and everything's all peachy at the end and he walks away. <laughs> yeah, that's, 
It's a really, really... Uh, we've talked about people and their analogies on this podcast before, and that's a fucking A-grade bad one. That's a, that is the worst one. Yeah. And the thing is, so many Tigers fans out there going, yeah, it's the year of the Tiger. I'm going, you better go watch the movie. <laughs> watch how it ends. Mm. It wasn't don't, good. Don't sit through the whole lot. Just the last half hour. You'll, you'll get what you need out of it. <laughs> that's... Uh... It's like when people bring up some of those, like, Olympic performances where it really is sort of that fish-out-of-water scenario, you know? And, like, it's somebody jumping into a, you know, the Olympic pool and they haven't actually got a pool that's bigger than 25 metres in their whole country. And it, it sounds nice, but what it really is is, like, a stadium full of people going, oh... You know, and you don't ever want that when you're competing in sport. You don't ever want somebody going, that's so brave, you not know. On, not on the world stage. No, no. <laughs> in the biggest competition with all of the A-line, A-line, you know, A-league, top-line stars, they're all there, yeah. the best of the best, and then there's just bloke. <laughs> Be remembered for being really good in the sport, not for being really bad at it. Yeah, he's just some fella. He seems he's seen swimming on TV and thought I could give that a go. Yeah, and look, I I love those people. It's like the rugby league players in South Africa, where every every World Cup that railed around, all of a sudden they were playing rugby league in South Africa. I get it, get a free trip, man. Yeah. But you don't you don't want to be those you know those sorts of competitors in elite sport. So it's also like, um, you know, drunk, drunk from St. Helens who get to play footy every now and then. Wow, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't disagree with it, but I didn't say it. That's right. Well, you know, I've, I've got to try and carry the baton for you now. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely cannot carry that baton anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> I have to just care. I'm still chewing that shit sandwich. Oh, yeah, you will be. Forever. Forever. That's a shitty thing. Forever. Forever. Uh. Um, speaking of shitty, yes. Um, two journos have had a bit of a spat. Yeah. Apparently, Paul Kent got a bit upset because um, Mike Mahal Wood mm-hmm. uh, accused him of gutter journalism, and that made Kent cranky. I mean, there are people on Twitter who have called him a cunt, mm-hmm. and he has not said a single thing about that. But another scribe calling him a gutter journalist. I I was listening to a podcast and I can't even remember which one it was, but they were just they they were talking about how um, journalists get really angry at other journalists when they put their focus on them. You know what I mean? Mm. And and so I guess there's a, a little bit of that. But um, do you reckon it was sort of like in wrestling if that another wrestler come out and said, "Yeah, wrestling's all fake." And, and it's I, that match I won. Yeah, that was all faked. And then the other wrestler says, "What the fuck are you doing? You're ruining it for everyone." Yeah, we're supposed to be like, you know, we're 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 united here. It's a united front. Mm, mm. The only time we have an an argument is when it's going to get us ratings. Yes, and we're all pulling in the same direction. Yeah, pretty much. Hey. Um. So yeah, it's it's a weird one. Um. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting. I wouldn't. A lot of people hate on Paul Kent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's let's be honest, he's not the worst rugby league journal out there. And before anyone starts thinking that I'm going to say something nice about him, he's also not the best. He's a long way from the best. But there's a lot out there that are quite a lot worse than him. And he works with nearly all of them. Whenever I see Paul Kent doing his thing, I get the thing of like, um, it, it's a work, you know. Yeah. He, he's playing. He's playing the character of Paul Kent. Yeah, and more often than not, he's trying to play. It's, it's almost like he's trying to play a role of the media. Yeah, not so much what Paul Kent actually thinks. Yeah, so and like it, he, he's become the industry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's all it's all kind of clickbaity. It's what all the media does to a certain extent these days. But it's all kind of clickbaity. You know, I I'm saying the outrageous thing because it'll all get sent around, or I'm saying the outrageous thing because it'll get sent everywhere. And I, you know, I I think that that's that's the feeling I get out of him. Um, yeah. you know, it, that's why I don't think it's it's worth getting fired up about it. Like I th- he said something about the Panthers this week. I can't even remember what it was it, because I didn't care. Like who gives a fuck? Yeah. I look for a long time too. Um, Kenty's called much people on Twitter as idiots and dopes and clowns and stuff like that. And he's been mm. very dismissive of them, Yeah, which is for someone in his position is probably the right thing to do. Yeah. He, he's not, let's be honest here. He's not officially, on social media? Yeah. But he's on social media. <laughs> we all know they are, mm. especially him. But um, he's always been very dismissive of them, which is the right thing for him to be doing in, in the situation, the position he's in and the role that he plays in the media of being yeah. an antagonist more than anything else. Not so much a journalist, but an antagonist. Um, so to yield and get very emotional and cranky, with another journo, it's, it's, he's kind of fucked himself over now. Yeah, I Cause, guess. Because essentially what's happened is mm. the, the Twitter idiots and the clown who he hates so much mm. have just got the better of him. That's, yeah, that's what's happened here. Yeah, I see what you mean. Cause yeah. Point is he should, if he loses a bit by acknowledging yeah, in a in a more focused way because it's got to be like, hey, it's me versus all of you, not me versus somebody. You know, mm. yeah, I get that. Yeah, and so he's uh, the credibility that he think he had, um, it's got a lot slimmer. I mean, he still thinks it's fucking great, but you know, no, can't he? It's interesting when you see in like corporate media these days how there are people that play them sort of roles and look they they earn money doing it like remember bill o'reilly i've always felt like he was the same where it was like i'm gonna do this thing and be this sort of person and it's gonna make me heaps of money and i'll just stick to it and then there's like uh rachel maddow who's another one that does it these days like these people that they just that's my lane and i can make money in this lane and we we see it in the you know the rugby league media and stuff, um, and to a point I feel like it's a little bit of selling out, but you know I, I'm sure if you talk to those people they'd say yeah fucking it it funds my entire life like I'm cool with that you know yeah 
Yeah. And you know what me and you think about selling out. <laughs> like, Mate, if, it, if it's going to pay the bills. Yeah, write the fucking check right now. <laughs> <laughs> Add some zeros, baby. Add some zeros. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so should we, um, should we do an Ask Kenty? Yeah, I'm up for an Ask Kenty. It's a uh, new season coming up. We're, we're going to do our preview in the next episode. Yep. Our season preview in the next episode, but yeah, let's do a let's do a fun episode after last last episode when I had to just be sad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, because tonight also was the uh, the first Ask Kenty for the year. Okay, um, so we know that he didn't answer any of the important questions there. Um, first one here: Do you think it should be treated the same as Latrell and Jack Whiten after you shirt fronted a, another journalist? First of all, like, what's the sh- what's shirt fronting? Shirt fronting, I, I don't know. It started with Tony Abbott and Vladimir Putin, didn't it? Oh, do you Isn't remember it you, you, you get up into someone else's face okay. and berate them? Shirt fronting. It's just, I don't know. It's the, one of those I'm, terms I, I'm not a big fan of. My impression is it's what an AFL fight looks like. That's what I feel like too, hey? Yeah, yeah. You just yeah. sort of... Rub nipples. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good one. I bet he didn't answer that one. <laughs> um, another one asked, "How much Mike Michael Wood could a Kenty chuck if a Kenty could chuck Wood?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. It'd be interesting to know what actually happened. Like, did was it just a passing word and it's just been blown up or what? <laughs> The good thing is, there's a lot of questions on here about the whole shirt running thing. Really? Wow. Yeah, another one. Did Mike end up putting one on your chin? Um, <laughs> the Simpsons NRL memes, they said, well, can't he be an undercard at the next Paul Gallon fight? <laughs> there's an untapped market of people willing to pay money to watch Paul Kent repeatedly get punched in the face. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, who would win a shirt front between Kenty and old mate Vladimir Putin? Oh, man. So people were really stuck in on that one, hey? Yes. That's funny. Uh, no one said, what's more ridiculous? A journal who relies on info leaks out of football clubs complaining about info leaks from a football club or a journal who complains about the people on Twitter asking those same people to supply them with TV show content via Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, that one. That's oh, clever. Oh, I like that. That is good. Um <laughs> Someone else says, you're a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt and your butt smells and you like to kiss your own butt. There's something there's something uh, I like about those sorts of tweets that are just so silly because it really shows what Twitter should be. It just should be just silliness. Yes. Um, if you don't care about Twitter and social media, why do you care about what people say about you on social media? That's a good point. Um... When you shirt front of Mike the other night, did you use your shirt to dry your tears? <laughs> shirt fronting. Well, can, can you imagine you... if I? Can you imagine right if one day I come back and I said, "Hey Andrew, I shirt fronted someone." I'd expect you to. I'd expect you to be like, "You're a fucking idiot." What the first, fuck does that mean? First, I'd laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what the fuck were you doing there at Penrith Station again? 
<laughs> Shirt fronting people, what the fuck? Do you get drunk outside the TAB? Fucking <laughs> oh, shirt fronting. Um, someone asked a, a uh, genuine question here. Okay. What do you make of these David Fafita to Penrith rumours? A fresh start for the kid? Yes, no. My understanding was that was just made up out of nowhere, that rumour. Because yeah. I, I know that he's he's been in talks with the Canberra Raiders for a few months now. It's been really... Yeah. I even think he went down there and had a look around at their facilities and stuff. Yes, he has. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. Like, if it was... If it was me, I, I would need the Gold Coast to pay a giant chunk of your salary, hey? Yeah, that, that's what they're going to need out of this. And or a player swap as well to try and make it a bit more uh, uh, helpful, I guess. Mm. Um, I'm I'm reasonably confident he's, if, he's, if he does leave the Titans, it'll be to Canberra. Yeah. The problem that... The problem with Fafita is... Penrith aren't going to take him. What they want is um, the same thing, essentially, that Craig Bellamy wants, and that is he's not out there looking for a fucking superstar or some sort of freak talent. He's out there looking for someone who can do the same shit consistently every week. Yeah. More often than not. And for Fita, um, there's too big a gap between his good game and his bad game. Mm -hmm. And neither Cleary or Bellamy or even Trent Robinson want that. Because and also they don't need it either. They've built a squad, all three of them, which is based around a lot of reliable performers who will play very consistent football, pretty much nearly every single game. Um, so teams have to be at their absolute best to beat those teams. You know, if, if they're going to get them done, they've got to be at their absolute best, and they need all their players at their absolute best in those performances to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And someone like David Fafita will not fit into those teams because he's too much of a risk. Yeah, and I I, I would feel like going to those teams especially would be a big culture shock because, I mean, you've got to be super fit in all of those teams mm. um, and, and you've got to be able to, you know, Meet the standard that's already there, basically. Yeah. And that's one of the problems that Fafita has had is that he, I mean, he hasn't been meeting the standards of the Gold Coast team and the Gold Coast team hasn't got real high standards. You know, there's some, some of the best players in the world play for the Gold Coast, but, you know, for the most part, they, they don't perform on the field. Big Tino does. Big Tino's like, man, he's, he's one of the best five players in the world, I think, but. Carrying that team. Oh my God. He, I love watching him play. He's one of my favourite players to watch. Yeah, he's phenomenal. They get, he's I phenomenal. wonder if he. I wonder if he could be. If he could be got from the Gold Coast because he's not going to want to do what he does every week, and you know miss the finals every year. If he goes anywhere, it'll be to the Dolphins. I think what he wants more than anything is to be in that part of the world where he's closer to his family. His family live. Pretty actually, not too far away from where the the Dolphins are going to be based at Redcliffe. Okay. So, I, if he was to go anywhere, he'd go there. Um, but yeah, Fafita's just—he's too much of a risk. I don't think. Yeah. Any, the only the only place your freak freakish talented players who are also inconsistent. The only teams they will go to are struggling teams because they'll go, they'll say, you know what, on the one chance that you're a fucking freak, mm. you will single handedly win us games. 
and that's better than whatever it is we're doing now. So you go to a team like the Tigers, the Knights, um, the Dragons, teams like that that are struggling for creativity Mm -hmm. and struggle to get wins on the board, they're the teams that will take him. I I get the... I get the Raiders wanting to roll the dice on him for that reason because I I think that they're a free and I'm not saying they'll miss the finals but I think they're around that area of fringe of the finals and if they can roll the dice and Fafida you know gets it together for whatever reason it, it might be enough for them to maybe become a sixth place side. Yeah, I think the the thing that Canberra is lacking is that. X factor creativity, which is probably yeah. the only reason why they're looking at him. But I, I can't see how he'd fit into Ricky Stewart's style. There's a reason yeah. why the Canberra side is not a team that's, um, you know, one full of flair. It's not what Ricky Stewart wants out of his team. He's uh, also Ricky Stewart tends to grind on certain players pretty quickly, and I feel as though, and, and he's demanding, and that's why he grinds on players because he's demanding. Um, I feel like that wouldn't work well with Fafida. That's right. Um, I bet he didn't answer that one that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, here's one actually we could have a bit more of a chat about. Did you enjoy the Panthers All the Way documentary? I haven't watched it yet, hey? I'm surprised they did it. Why? Well, the last one they did was on the West Tigers. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. What was the West Tigers one called again? Um, Shit the Bed? I can't remember. <laughs> Man, that well, was no, it was a Wild West. I don't know why they called it Wild. It was the meekest fucking thing I've ever seen. Oh, it should have been called Whinging West. It was just, the, the West Tigers one was like, it was really bad. It was really, really bad. Like, there were yeah. so many things in it you looked at and you are like, oh, this doesn't, this is a really bad look for the club. I haven't watched the Panthers one yet. I, I think it's uh, available on Nine Now's website, which I've I've never been to. So I've got to check that out, and hopefully you don't have to sign up for it because I won't sign up for anything by Channel Nine. But um, I'll I can see tell the... you now that that no single club rugby league documentary will mm. ever top another bloody Sunday. <laughs> yeah, as fantastic. Um. Greatness. I mean, you you only saw the first, the intro part of it. It was yeah. so so miserable and depressing. It was hilarious. Yeah, anybody that's wondering about another bloody Sunday, like when you start watching it, it it was like I started writing the script about a, a small area of northern England, but they wrote it themselves. They did. It was incredible. Um, you immediately, immediately from the time it starts, feel depressed. That's yeah. great. Oh, it's yeah. hilarious. You feel the crushing depression of living in northern <laughs> England immediately. It's yeah. it's amazing. Really. And then they just pound you down more and more with it. <laughs> and then and then when it goes, they, they have this big build up for the big happy ending and then they don't deliver it. That's fucking great. There's yeah, there's <laughs> not any goodness that comes out of that documentary. And it is, yeah. it is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I've got to thank Sean from Rugby League Project for showing that to me many years ago. I've, <laughs> I've watched it many times. It is so hilarious. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, man. We we were going to see if there was a way that we could do a uh, a live broadcast of it. But, um, 
you know, it's a documentary. It's pretty hard to do that, but um, the other can't thing recommend is, enough people. It's on it's on YouTube as well, so you can go check it out on there. The other thing is too, it's hard to add to, it's hard to add to the experience of sitting and watching it. Like all that's, you that's do right. is laugh because it's so it's so good and bad. You can't improve on perfect. No, no, you can't. <laughs> um, another one here. Who leaked the dragon stuff and was it buzzed so we could write a follow-up article about snitches? And who leaks the Twitter stuff to you if you don't have Twitter? Is that the reason why Buzz unblocked half of Twitter to snitch to you? <laughs> it was like, it's weird what's going on at Dragons because their lineup is terrible and it's just, it's been degrading for many years now. Like it, they haven't really added anyone. Uh, ben Hunt was really their last top signing like um and they've just got worse and worse and their junior system is just not that good which it should be one of the best and i don't know it's just it's a club in decline and it's really weird to see especially considering that it's a privately owned club now you know yeah exactly. um, and all the off-field stuff that they've had like that's a symptom of it all you know, it's a symptom of who you have, who they've been targeting with their signings. You know, you're not signing the quality players that are there to turn up and play footy. You, you're kind of getting the off-casts and players that are on their last chance and things like that. And you end up with off-field issues when you start doing that. Um, I, I, I feel sorry for Dragons fans because they love their footy team. And, man, there's not too many teams that are more depressing to follow than the dragons right now it's it sucks i i just i find myself constantly waiting for for um hook to just sit the players down and have that talk like a pissed off dad with them yeah right you fuck so you pull your fucking heads in we're supposed to be a professional team you know, that sort of fucking shit do something like that berate them in public like mm. criticism in a fucking press conference. You, go, you know what? These boys are not acting up to the standard that I expect of them all, and it's not good enough. Say something, but he doesn't. He keeps defending them, and he's basically letting them off. And that shit's got to end. It's, and they've got to do something in the in the back office as well because their recruitment, their it's been atrocious. Yeah, it's been. I, I mean. Mbai is now one of their key players, which is horrifying, you know. Um, and it's it's literally Ben Hunt is playing a lone hand. I don't think they've actually got that many first graders in their squad this year. Like, that's how bad it is. Um, Aaron Woods is one of their key players. Like, fuck. Well, this is the thing. Is the, it's like the – and this is not a joke, by the way. It's like the recruitment has been – They've, they've copied what the West Tigers were doing about five years ago, mm-hmm. where we've said it before, they just bought what was available. Yeah. But because we've had a new team coming to the competition, what's available is not much, as in mm-hmm. number of players, there's not many around, and the ones they're buying, whether they're good or not is irrelevant because what they're doing is they're, they're not buying what they need. They're buying what's available. Mm. And when you start doing that, you pretty much ex- you pretty much just reveal to everyone that you don't have a plan or a structure or a goal here. You just you're just clutching at shit, hoping that something, some of what you grab is going to help. And it's a horrible way to start a season when you're doing that sort of garbage. Who's the, 
They didn't they just make a signing as well? Paul Paul Turner. Yeah, and and the thing that gets me, we've touched on this a couple of times this year already, where like Crichton was available. They would never even mention for him. Spencer Lenu was available. Never even in, mentioned for him. Like the quality players, the Dragons are not even talked about as being a possibility. And they're spending the same amount of money on their team as Penrith and Melbourne and Parramatta and everyone else. So what the hell's going on with their recruitment? It's got me beat. It really mm. has. Mm. Um that's like last year when they got George Burgess, who had a fake hip, you know, and yeah. was retired. It's like, what the fuck are they doing? And the one player they let go was Tarek Sims. I mean. And I, I bet you he has an amazing year with this. Oh, he's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be fitter. He's going to be playing more minutes. He's going to be on that edge. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, man. He's going to be brilliant. Yeah. I wanted him at Penrith. Yeah. Oh, I'm not surprised. I mean, he, he's the hard line running forward that every team wants and needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they let him go. It's but, crazy. It makes. I would love to know because I think Griffin, just the sort of bloke he is, is like I'll defend my guys, right? And I feel sorry for him because it's going to end with him having a failed tenure at the club, and people are going to hang it on him, you know, which I think is going to be unfair because he hasn't had much to work with. But I wonder what Ben Hunt thinks, because he re-signed on a pretty damn nice deal, right? He Mm. was coming off the back of a really, really good deal. And I just wonder if Ben Hunt will just get to a point where he's like, man, I'm an elite player. I, I just want a World Cup for Australia. And the second half of my career is just on a team which is going nowhere, you know? I mean, Ben Hunt could go up to the Dolphins tomorrow and make them a better team. And Mate, he'll go to any team and make them a better team. Yeah, yeah. How could he not? He he is genuinely that good. Yeah. Um, And to have next to no support around him in the halves is just – not just in the halves, just in the spine. It's just a – it feels like a wasted – elite player to me and you know one of the great wasted players i guess um Mm. you know and it's sad because and the dude plays his ass off for that team like he's such a standout play for the dragons but it just amounts to nothing because he's not really surrounded by too many first graders yeah it's almost depressing yeah it's a good thing he's been paid well, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sure if you sat him down and said, what do you think about, you know, having your career going in this direction? I bet he'd be like, dude, you should see my car. You should see my house. You should see my other house. You know, <laughs> exactly I'm sure right. he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a stupid question here. Mm-hmm. Kenty, if you're in charge of rebuilding the West Tigers, would you allow Robbie Farrett anywhere near the players and coaches? You know, Potter, Taylor, Madge, etc. <laughs> I know you don't like this one. Well, it's, it's because the accusation that of Farrah being a coach killer was one peddled by the mainstream media. And it was peddled because, essentially, Robbie Farrah 
pull call him up when he got what was he went on to Matty Johns' show and said on said on air there that it was an ambush. And it was. And, and Matty John spent the whole fucking episode trying to backtrack and make it all fun. And and then there was remember Gordon Tallis said that yep, Robbie that came out had said something as well. Around the same time, yeah. So yeah. the whole coach girl thing then came out and it was um you know, Robbie Farrell wasn't happy with Mick Potter's coaching techniques. Mm. And yes, Robbie Farrell said that mm. about a month or two into Potter turning up at the club. Mm-hmm. When did those comments get re- get released by uh, Gordon Tallis? 19 months later when they were all fine and everything was going well. Mm. You know, at the time when that came out, the Tigers were actually sitting very close to the top eight. They were in that, you know, ninth position that, you know, we always joke about. That's where they were, but they were only a win outside the top eight. They were doing rather well. Um, and then the floor went through the whole fucking place. They got yeah. flogged for weeks after that because everything fell apart and they slumped horribly down. I think they only won one game in the last 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And they would, that just killed them. Yeah. But there's a lot of talk that it was Farah that was behind Tim Sheen's leaving. I know I've said it before. I'll say it again just for this fucking idiot. Sheen said at the start of, at the end of 2011, start of 2012, and it was being rightfully stated that the Tigers were the premiership favourite for 2012. They were. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Benji Marshall was in the best form of his career, as was Robbie Farrar. I mean, Benji Marshall was the world's best player at the time. Yeah. Um, And again, rightfully so. That their squad was all in their mid to late 20s. They were just all at the peak. They were in their premiership window. And then they finished ninth. Mm-hmm. Sheen said, if we don't make the finals, I'll quit. But it was a handshake agreement. wasn't in writing. They didn't make the finals. And he didn't stand down. So the club and Sheen's had a spat. And the club just said, fuck you, we're going to sack you anyway. And Sheen said, well, fuck you, I'm not going anywhere, so pay me out. That was... The players weren't involved in that. That was all Sheen's in the club because of something mm. stupid that Sheen said and then couldn't back it up, right? The whole Potter thing. Potter left because he's a man of integrity. He saw that this whole drama between him and Farrell, which there wasn't one between the two of them personally at that stage, but he knew that the media were going to constantly go at it. He knew also that the club lacked the ball to have anyone come out and address the issue and, and sort it out and set the record straight. So yeah, you know what? I'll do the right thing. I'll just walk away. Remember they left it to Robbie Farrow to talk about yeah. it. The CEO wouldn't front exactly. up. That was crazy. And people have the, the gall to criticise Farrow's treatment of the club when Grant Meyer wouldn't even come out and fucking put the record straight the minute this shit happened, when he saw things were going bad at the club. He wouldn't come out and say a single thing. That pea-hearted soft cock said nothing. <laughs> he just threw Farrah under the bus the whole time. You go deal with it. So then what did they do? They get Jason Taylor in and they say, right, Taylor, it's your job to get rid of Robbie Farrah. So what did they get him to do? They He signed Matt Ballon. Matt Ballon played for 45, 47 minutes in a three-year mm-hmm. contract. Mm-hmm. Great deal, that. They then sent Robbie to reserve grade. Robbie said, fine by me. He's a club man. He stayed with the club. They eventually pushed him out. What did he do when Taylor left? And Taylor got sacked because he was shit. Robbie Farrell wasn't there when Taylor got the arse. So he's not responsible for Taylor being sacked. Taylor was shit. Farrell came back to the club when he left. 
had nothing to do with Michael Maguire being sacked. That is, again, the incompetent people running the club that got him sacked. Robbie Farrell was an assistant coach, for fuck's sake. I think the thing that gets me sometimes, and, and I've been worrying about this with some of the stuff we've seen at the West Tigers, who have just been on a blitz of media. They've been very big on bringing back a lot of former players in and around the club. And I get I get sometimes that's a good thing, but I think sometimes it's a bad thing as well. And I, I just think that you need the right people to come in and the best people to come in. And it doesn't matter who they played for, or when they played, you know, it, it. you just need the right player, people to come in. And I just think sometimes when a club says, oh, we're bringing back the old gang, you know, and they're all going to be around and stuff. I, I think that it can, I don't know, it can be almost like a hangover for a club where there's only so many times a playing group who for the most part probably doesn't care what the club has done in the past can hear, oh, back in my day, or this is the way we did it. And it worries me. I've seen Penrith do it sometimes where they've been like, oh, we're getting this guy back. We're getting this guy back. You know, you just need the right people around the club. And it it really doesn't matter if they played for the club or not, you know. Um, And that's worried me a little bit about the Tigers. This ain't a fucking reunion, you know. It's a football team that needs to win now. And I think sometimes teams get stuck too much on the reunion part of it. No, I fully agree. And look, mm-hmm. the old boys club thing, it it works when the old boys were successful. Like when they get the Parramatta guys together from the 80s. They get the Broncos guys from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those Raiders from the early 90s as well, the Knights of the late 90s, early 2000s. When they do that, they're a bunch of premiership winning, constantly finals playing, successful players. Yeah. Yeah. All they knew was how to win. Yeah. They all come together, and that's that's motivating. Like, for for instance, no one will ever criticise Alan Langer being at the Broncos. No. Because he was a winner from day one. The last day. Exactly right. And I'm not saying that Robbie Farrell is a loser, but it's more the fact that he came from a team, you know, his time at the West Tigers. Three finals appearances in his more than a decade-long career there. Mm. You know, Tim Sheens won premiership since 1995. Mm. That's a long fucking time. Mm -hmm. Why bring him back? Benji Marshall has done no coaching whatsoever. Mm. He got the shit through the club and left it for rugby union, for fuck's sake. Yeah. That's not a slight on Benji either. No, That no. shows you where the club's at and how it treats its own fucking stars. It's world's best quality stars. They forced one to leave the club by signing a bloke who couldn't even run. And they forced the other one to change fucking codes. That's how they treat their stars. Yeah. They're the old boys. Yeah, this no, is a stupid fucking club. They shouldn't be doing this shit. And this is yeah. again, it's not a slur on Farry or Benji. They gave their they gave their all to this club, um, but they shouldn't be trotted out and made to try and carry the club even more after they're finished. Club yeah, there's only it. there's yeah. only so much past success can you can you can let you can work off the back of that, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and it's a it's a worry. It's a worry when I see a club doing that. Newcastle does it every couple of years, you know. Um, it, it's I always think that you've got to be looking forward, not back, if you want to do well in the NRL. Um, and yeah, it's it worries me. But they look, they're working off such a low base from last year that anything's going to be an improvement. And I think that that's also a worry for me as well in that, like, if they finish 15th, there's going to be people within the club that go, you know what, we're going in the right direction. It's like, are you really, though? Yeah, he's, uh, I don't know, this whole West Tigers and their desire to have a new era while constantly reverting back to an old one. (laughs) And it's starting to get to be a long time ago too, like 2005. It's starting to be a long, long time yeah. ago. Anyone who was, anyone who's currently 18 has never seen the West Tigers win a premiership. Yeah. It's, it's fucking weird. Mm. At a bit like, you think about it, it'd be like in 2000, they say we're bringing back the 1982 team. You know, it's like, it's, what the fuck? There's kids who could be West Tigers fans that might be about to start high school have never even seen their team play finals footy. Yeah. Yeah. Look, this is what gets me. The fucking local team shit. They're not local teams anymore. Like, even when you look at some like the Panthers, you know, they're, they're, they're the anomaly. We've talked about them before, but it's not... Ivan Cleary ain't a fucking local, you know? It's you've got to bring in the best people. But I mean, even if they were local, who are the West Tigers local to? Where is West? West, yeah. What's that? West, what's you the, know, Concord. What's the sub? <laughs> what's the postcode for West? <laughs> I just want to send them of Concord. It's I funny. want to send them a check. Where do I? <laughs> <laughs> Shit! I bet they have a PO box because they haven't got a permanent <laughs> fucking address. <laughs> Oh, I bet they've got a fax machine. <laughs> yeah, they would have a fax machine. Link to a pager. Oh, got a fax. You can telegram us if you want still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We're on MSN still. Yeah. <laughs> Check us out on ICQ. Fuck, we're getting old school now. Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Someone's asked, Kenty, someone keeps using the tap in my front yard and never connects the hose back to the tap. Do you have the same problem? <laughs> That's a random one. Uh, someone else says, do you own a brush and or a mirror? I wonder why that is. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe he didn't brush shit. his hair or something that episode. Yeah. Um, should a journalist be held to the same standards as a player? Say, like, when one person assaults another one, should they be held accountable? <laughs> So I don't think they should. Journalists don't matter. Could it? Here's what I'll ask you: Could a rugby league journalist, in a physical altercation, actually hurt someone? I'm trying to think of a, a rugby league journalist that I feel like could hurt someone. Hey, I mean, James Hooper could probably make you have like bleeding ears, but yeah, not through physical, say. not not through physically hitting you though, just through fucking yelling at you. Just yelling at you. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any. No. 
Um, given that players can switch clubs mid-season in one week, surely the argument for players needing to sign from November 1, the year before their contract expires, is now redundant. The NRL contract system is amateur hour. There's been talk about this in the media a little bit. I saw an article yeah. about it in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, yesterday, I think it was, and there's talk that they want to try and do something about that with the CBA, that they, they'll sign. I've said they'll sign that before the season starts for, forever now. But um, I don't know that it's going to change because I I just think that... Um, current... oh, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to say to you... Mm-hmm. Does it really fucking matter? It doesn't to me, no. No. That's the thing I don't get about this. I think people think that, you know, we want to be able to support the same players and know that they're going to be there all year and going, no one cares. Seriously, if we're being honest about it, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. The like players, I think, they're I think of, for the money. Yeah, I think of last year with Kickout, right? Kickout was going last year. And, you know, it's not great, but... Would it have been any better than we play the grand final and then a week later kick out says, oh, yeah, now I'm going? Like, I I don't know that it would be. Um, I, I think that it lets everyone know where they're going to be ahead of time. I think it's probably better for building squads rather than doing it in the offseason because, like we've seen, like the West Tigers, which we've talked about, when you build your squad in that, you know, November-December <laughs> time period... <laughs> It's normally it's not a real good fucking way to do it. So yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. If only we had a decade worth of data to rely upon. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so look, personally, I've got no problems with it. I know there are people that don't like it, but how much do they not like it? You know, I I don't know. It's just one of those things. I think it's a massive beat up. Mm. And it's one of those beat-ups that the media's run initially and some fans have been st- stuck on it and constantly running with it. It doesn't really matter. And look, the problem they're going to get is the RLPA will, will just immediately say, if you say that we can't sign contracts whenever we want, that's a restriction of trade, boom, it's illegal. You know, the not, other- not just not just illegal within the, the game, but... <laughs> by the fucking letter of the law in in the whole fucking workplace system. But that's what the CBA is. The CBA is an agreement that they they abide by a set of competition rules that technically would be illegal, but because the CBA is in place, it's sort of an agreement, you know what I mean? But the thing that gets me is, like, say you've got, uh, say, Sawali, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine the Roosters go to him today. Say he can't sign a contract for anybody until he's off contract at the end of the year. Now, this isn't the case, but just say he can't sign a contract and his contract runs out this year. And the Roosters say, look, we haven't got the money to sign you. And so you're going to have to leave at the end of the year. But he can't technically talk to any other club for the whole year. I would almost be certain that he would end up signing a contract with the rugby union team sometime during the year because players want to have a guaranteed contract. They want to have guaranteed money going forward. Mm-hmm. And the sooner he signs that contract, the better because he he might suffer some sort of injury during the season, which would lower his earning capacity. I, I just think that it's 
I, I think that it's a compromise. Yes, the current system, but I think it works. And yeah, it's not ideal, but you know, it works. It's fine. Everyone gets on with it. Like if that's what you're hung up about, it, you know, you you haven't got too many other problems to deal with. I'm guessing. It's the same. It's the same people who complain about that. They complain about wanting every player's fucking salary to be public. True. And, you know, the other thing is, too, you think of all of the teams that they are maybe it's May and their season's over, but at least they can look forward to next year when they get and kick out, you know? Well, yeah. At, at least they can look forward to that. There's the, there's that part of it that people miss out as well. So There was actually a thing on um, NRL 360's night, apparently, about um, – Brent Reed and Buzz Rothfield put together what they thought was the Roosters players' salaries. Now, wondering how the Roosters were under the salary cap. Okay. So they just made it up. Yeah, yeah, they they put their guesses on there. But I'm going through it all going, you know, some of these prices are probably fair. Some are probably out by, you know, one or 200 grand. But when they're on 700 grand, you know, who knows? Yeah. But then it got to Matt Lodge. Yeah. It's been reported in the media that... Because of the fuck around with the CBA and the NRL, yeah, the Roosters couldn't lodge a contract for him because I already had their cap for the year tied up because and they didn't know what the cap was moving to, so they didn't offer him a contract. Yeah, but they said we'll give you match payments. Yeah, and we'll just do it for one year. Yep, and he's fine with that. So he's on match payments. But but when the CBA gets signed, they'll be able to fix his contract up, right? I assume so. But at the yeah. moment, that's not the case. He's match payments only. Okay. How much do you think they reckon he's getting paid this year? Well, if it's if it's match payments, it, that's not going to be much. Like minimum wage, what is that, 120000 They had him down at 600 k fucking dickheads. <laughs> this is the thing. And it's like, you're a fucking journalist. Report what actually has happened. Don't just make stuff oh. up, you fucking idiots. It, it's it's like you know what we've got an agenda that we're pushing here, and we've done the maths, and it's not the maths is not matching the agenda we want to run. Mm. Who can we tack a few extra hundred grand on? They go, oh Matt Lodge, let's just put a fuck ton on him and hope no one notices. The thing that gets me about the Roosters, and, and I saw somebody saying like, oh it was it some radio station put out a thing about. You know, Spencer Lenu signed a contract today to play for the uh, Roosters from next year, right? And the, the, some radio station put out a thing saying, is the salary cap really working? And it's like, well, the Panthers are the best team in the league. They lost talent to a team that is further down the ladder, the Roosters, right? Now the Roosters are going to lose players, and the Roosters lost heaps of players over the last couple of years. But I don't look at the Roosters team and think to myself, wow, that team's so obviously over the cap. I kind of look at a team that's got a, a, a few really high-paid stars and they lack a bit of depth around that, you know? And they, they've got a, a lot of guys that are younger guys that aren't on big contracts and, and things like that. So I, I don't know why they would have picked on the Roosters in particular because it just makes no sense to me. It's like the same thing with the Storm. Like, I look at the Storm this year and I'm like, yeah, they're kind of trying to rebuild something this year. And they'll be spending up to the cap this year. But 
you got to have the top line talent and hope that they take a, a tiny little bit less to stick around and you get a couple of youngsters that are on small contracts and before they get their big one and things like that. And, you know, if people that say the salary cap isn't working, I just think they're fucking idiots these days, quite honestly. Yeah, they are. When, when we're talking about, oh, the Panthers have won two in a row, this is about one of the best dynasties we've seen for 20 years, two in a row. Like, yeah. fuck, man. Yeah, exactly. It's the salary cap is working. What isn't working is the clubs managing the salary cap. Yeah, that, it, and it's like, it's a, it's a few clubs that have been really, really poorly run and yeah. they haven't been able to get themselves off the bottom of the ladder because of it. If you take those clubs out and look at everyone else, it's everyone's shuffling places over the last five years. You know? Yep. So salary cap works great. It I think a lot great. of people have got this impression that running NRL clubs and a salary cap is the same way as running a fantasy NRL team. Yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. No. Um, serious question. Will the West Tigers finish higher on the ladder than the Dolphins? I, let me have a look at my predictions, which I won't spoil. Mm. I've got my predictions here. Let me see where I put them, because I really put a lot of thought into this. I did have them higher than the Dolphins. Wow. I think that um, it would be very close between the two. I I want to say that they will. Mm. The Tigers have made, finally, some signings in the forwards, which should improve their defence in the middle. Um, if they move Brooks to 5'8", they should go higher than the Dolphins. I think the thing that got me about the Dolphins was I like the team they've put together. They're not going to be great, but I, I like what they've done as a starting position. But I think that as the season goes on, depth is going to hurt them because yeah, exactly. they're starting from scratch. Yeah. They do have a few very talented youngsters in there, some from the local Queensland Cup, some that have got from other NL clubs. Mm -hmm. um, young Katoa from Penrith Lowell Grades. He mm -hmm. played in the World Cup. Very, mm -hmm. very good half. Um, we'll go through this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't expect them to do much this first year, and I don't think they plan on doing that either. It's all about getting set up and then – because they've not had a huge amount of time to get themselves prepared for an NRL team either. Yeah, it's it's been pretty quick, and yeah. I, I they've had some signings over the last, I think, 48 hours who – and I can't remember who they are off the top of my head, funnily enough, but it's like – you can see that they've ramped it up, you know, so. Yeah. Um, what else we got on here? What do you think about bullying in the workplace? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It'd be all for it until Mark Guy starts working for Fox again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, how far can the Panthers go this year if they have an injury toll the same as the Roosters or another top eight side this year? That's a good question because they definitely have less depth. Do they, though? I, I think they do. I think they have less elite, absolute, unquestioned elite depth. But right, but I think same, the yeah. one thing that works for Penrith is that nearly, what, their top three teams – 
as far as you know, New South Wales Cup is it SG Ball, Harold Matthews? I can't remember which one's which there, but the NRL side, New South Wales Cup side, and the next one down from that, they all play a very similar structured game of football, mm. and they do do a lot of post training with one another. Mm-hmm. So you can take one guy from the New South Wales Cup side and plonk him into the first grade side, and while obviously the quality is not going to be the same as an elite NRL player. They're going to do all of the basic stuff that they need to be doing to keep that Panther side functioning and rolling along um, as well as anybody else. And that's exactly what they need. And that's why I don't think they're putting up that much of a fight with some of the players that they're losing. I saw today that Spencer Lanou's off to the Roosters. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of people are going, oh, no, we're losing all of our star players. And going, You're not losing your superstars. Your spine is still largely intact. And I don't know. I think I think the the Panthers have been smart about it. They they're getting rid of people they know they can replace pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, forwards for example, yep. there's a lot of them around. You can replace them. It's it's no big drama. You you got to look after your spine. Um, and that's what they're doing. So I don't think it's yeah. going to hurt them immensely. It will hurt. Lenu's had a great. Great few seasons at the Panthers, there's no doubt about it. But you can find someone who's going to do a very similar job. Yeah, yeah. And that, look, that's the balance of your salary cap is, you know, and and they've got a, the luxury of doing it. They can bank on a bunch of guys who are on New South Wales Cup contracts coming in and, and doing a job. And even if it's like 85% of the job, you, you're banking on that working and but you've still got Cleary like you, you can't replace a Cleary you know a halfback that's got his sort of game doesn't come along very often and I'm not saying he's like Andrew John's level but just a a pretty complete halfback is is hard to find um you know James Fisher Harris another one you know Moses Leota he's another one there's they've kept the ones that you would have if you if you did a draft of who to keep, they've kept almost all the ones you would really, really, really want to have kept. Yeah, exactly right. It's maybe uh, it really only uh, kick out. That's the that was a that was a blow. But you know, I I, I think that you know I, you don't know who's in their lower grades. It's going to be interesting to see who we're talking about at the end of the year. Yeah. that have come into the Penrith side. That's right. Um, some guy on here trying to be a journalist said his mail is that Adam O'Brien has six to eight weeks to prove his worth. <laughs> Scoop, like, <laughs> you know. Who would, who's the thing, though? Who do you replace him with if you sack him? Oh, someone shitty. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, look, I think, I think Seabold would have been perfect, but he got a gig at Manly somehow. Um, Jesus, there's a fair chance that Hook gets the ass, and they could probably pick him up. I know, right? I, um, I feel yeah. like if they if they do let him go, and I don't know they can afford to let him go, I feel like they'll fuck up their next appointment because that's what uh, Newcastle generally does. They fuck it up. Tell you what, it'll be whoever Matthew John says it should be. I know, exactly. And if Matty John starts 
you know, having a reduction in the amount of work he's getting. <laughs> Mark Mulbirds, he'll put his fucking hand up for the job just like he did. Was it him and his brother saying they'd do uh, coach Samoa? Samoa. Yeah. yeah. Hey, how, how, what about the Walker brothers? That's a good idea. Let's have two coaches. But they never played for Newcastle. I mean, neither Adam nor O'Brien, but, you know, it's a very white name it'll work up there. <laughs> I said it. I'm glad you did because it's fucking true. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the, like who the next cab off the rank will be in terms of, because you know how there's a flavour of the month next coach. I wonder yeah. who it's going to be because they've all kind of been gone through for the most part and I don't really, think it's going to be next. They're really weird. Um, I don't know, maybe Stephen Kearney. Stephen Kerr, you know, I'm going to toss a name out, and I don't know if it'll happen, but, and it's not so much for Newcastle, but I think Jim Dimmick's going to start to get a bit of a push. Jim Dimmick? Yeah, he's been he's been toiling away as an assistant and stuff like that for a number of years now, and he's, he's pretty highly regarded. I'll tell you who genuinely does deserve a, a genuine fucking, you know, three-year deal. Hmm. Is Mick Potter. Yeah, he did so good at the Bulldogs. Yeah, and he was doing good work at the Tigers until the whole bullshit that went on there. Did I tell you another Gord, one? Gordon Tallis looking after his mate by making him lose his job. No. Mate, no. With mates like Gordon Tallis in these enemies. <laughs> uh, i tell you another one, Dean Pay. I reckon he'd be worth giving another go. I think he he took a, he took a job he probably shouldn't have taken for a guy that was ready to yeah. be a good first grade coach. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I think all three of those would be a good coaching team to have. Yeah. Um, how do you think the Panthers will retain their drive for three people when so many heroes will be departing? Man, it's tough. It's tough to win one. Yeah. You know? If Penrith, say Penrith lose in, I don't know, say they lose in week one of the finals, you know, and they're out for whatever reason. Man, they won two grand finals in a row. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So In the space of two two back-to-back seasons, they doubled the number of premierships. Yeah, it's insane. So it's, you know, it, I, I, I'm not... Ter- I'm not scared of losing the fucking premiership, you know. It's like everything has been a bonus. Um, and I think that people need to to realise it's tough to win one, let alone two. And winning three in the current era is silly. So we'll find out what happens, eh? Absolutely. Um, someone here says, uh, best tips for cooking a steak. I think for Kenty, he'd probably start with tenderising it. <laughs> How do you have your steak? Uh, cooked medium well. I do mine well done. I like it well done. I like to know that I'm eating an animal. I want to see a bit of blood there. I like, I like, I like there to be a crispy burnt skin on it. Oh, I don't so, mind that on the edges. Yeah, yeah. That's not do you bad. have sauce with it? Um, if it's a cheap steak, yes. Mate, I've got a good uh, cut of steak, though. I won't put any sauce on it. I, I get that. I get that. I love barbecue sauce. Oh, barbecue sauce. Like, I put barbecue sauce on every fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. So me too. 
give just put me by when i was a kid i used to have barbecue sauce sandwiches honey yeah absolutely you get the the eater barbecue sauce mm-hmm. it's a nice sweet one or you get the um was it master foods one i think the smoky barbecue sauce man that Sm- one is fucking nice i like smoked hickory hey mm. oh man very good um kenty would know how to cook Probably he's a he's a fucking dickhead, and besides, his diet basically consists of beer or wine. Am I am I wrong in saying cooking is for women? <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Sorry, um, you are, but Kenty would probably agree. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some strong <laughs> boomer vibes going about him. That's for sure. Kenty, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it time to scrap the cap? Well, that's a no. That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> a moron would, would ask that question. Yeah. Um, here's a good question. What should be the goal of humanity? Uh, wow, that's a really deep question. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon? What would be your answer? Wow. Eradicate rugby union. Now I'm happy with that answer. <laughs> 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 oh shit that's a good one um and hey, by, the way, by the way bringing up rugby union i saw a thread the other day on twitter where the welsh rugby union had a sit down with their playing group and they that's were talking a small about, table i know right <laughs> they're all farmers um <laughs> and they sat down and basically there's not enough money in Welsh Rugby Union or Wales. And they were saying how the players were saying, like, the conditions and the pain conditions and all that are not good enough. And the Welsh Rugby Union is spending millions of dollars on corporate facilities for certain stadiums. And all I could think of was, like, yes, that's the point. 1895, that was the same fucking argument, you Mm -hmm. know? I, I just thought that was funny. It just reminded me of that. The, the people of Wales are finally caught up, you reckon? Yeah. They figured it out. A hundred fucking 20-something years <laughs> for them. Um, it is – I think that's the frustrating part about rugby union is they've known from before rugby league's inception mm-hmm. that they weren't treating their players – well enough. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to give them a wage. They just needed to look after them financially if they couldn't do their job because they got injured playing rugby union. It's kind of, you know, you've done us a favour by playing this game and getting people through the gates and give us a fuck ton of money. The least we can do is put a little bit of a side so if you get injured, we can look after you until you can go back to work again and start playing again. Mm-hmm. That's all they ever needed to do. If they had have done that from the absolute get-go... We would not have rugby league. Yeah, it's they, crazy. They'd have nailed it. That's all they had to do. It was, and they had no comp- no competition to take the players away. That's all they had to do because they refused everywhere, yep. everywhere. And that was what was even dumber when the rugby league movement came to Australia. Was there was ten years of understanding the whole argument for rugby union, uh, rugby league's existence in England mm-hmm. that they had here in Australia. And Rugby Union not only refused to learn from that, but they doubled down on it. Mm. So classic example is just before the New South Wales team 
the Rebel New South Wales team played against the All Golds in 1907. This is just before Rugby League started. The Metropolitan Rugby Union, who ran Rugby Union in Sydney, decided to stop paying for the insurance for all of the clubs and players. So if the clubs want their players to be insured, they can pay for it. It's not coming out of our pockets anymore. Mm-hmm. They doubled down. They went crazy. They, they learnt nothing from it. And the only reason why they went to professionals in the 90s is because, not because it was the right thing to do by players, but because they knew it was the only way that they could get rugby league players to come across and change codes and get paid good money. Mm-hmm. That's what it was about. You know, saw there's a chance to kick the dog while it was down. Let's put the fucking boot in. That's what it was about. And as soon as rugby league sorted its shit out and got the whole Super League war ended, and the NRL started going, it took only two or three years for the NRL to sort of start moving forward and mm-hmm. moving on from the Super League war. Rugby union just went, oh, we're kind of fucked now. Yeah, and it's just been on this gradual decline ever since. It's uh. It- Rugby union in England at club level is in a absolutely catastrophic financial situation. Like there, there's clubs closing down. Like they just put out a tweet and it's like it basically, oh, it's all over. And like really famous clubs. Mm. And it, you know when you when you look at that, and we've talked about the financial situation in Super League, which crazily is a million times better, literally than the situation in rugby union over there at the moment, even though it's not good. And then you you contrast that with just the other day, the NRL come out and announced a 60, I think it was $63 million profit from last year. Mm. And that goes towards them having over $200 million basically in the bank. Um, it's, it's an interesting time and an interesting situation. And it makes me think about, it must have only been 18 months ago or so when people were saying maybe the NRL should look at a private equity deal and, and stuff like that. And it's like, man, things change very quickly because there was a private equity deal done for um, premiership rugby union clubs in the UK. And that's obviously been a disaster in terms of like spending was out of control and clubs dying and stuff like that. Super League has done a deal, which I think was a good deal for them to do at some point. Um, if the NRL had done that deal, they would have been splitting their profits with the private equity group and they would not have needed the private equity group. No, and that's the thing is um, this, this group that's taken over the Super League. IMG, yep. Yeah. Yeah. They they are investigating a lot of things that the Super League kind of took for granted in the past. Obvious things like TV rights. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 smartest thing you can always have in professional sport is as many eyeballs being able to watch your game mm. in as many different ways possible. Especially now you can do it online, you can listen on the radio, you can watch it on TV, you can go to the actual game, but you need to have all that shit going on. Um, you know, have things live streamed so you can watch it on your mobile phone or your tablet while you're travelling to and from work, for example. You want as many eyes as, as possible on the game in as many different ways as possible because then you can have so much more advertising on there, which is your next stream of revenue coming in. And they've they've attending to that. I think 
Super League now, I think this year they're going to have every game televised. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this year. Um, uh, like, but that, I mean, that's got to be the goal because when we've talked about it, it, if you don't televise every game, that means every game that's not on TV is basically business wise is just burnt money. Yeah, exactly. So they're figuring that out. They're understanding that. Um, you know, they're making a lot of, you can't make a whole heap of moves all at once, but they are making the right moves. Um, but yeah, they've got to get, they've got to figure out what the end goal is and they've got to figure it out quick and then start working towards it. Um, but yeah, especially now that the rugby union in England and Wales is struggling. It's still yeah. going to get the lion's share of the media. Yep. Because the media loves it over there. Um, so it's still got that to, to compete with, but that's something you can work around. Yeah, and that, like, it, it's going to be really interesting because IMG hasn't come in and they've, they haven't come in and they've said, we're going to make all these dramatic changes. They've basically said, right, steady as we sh- she goes and we'll see how things work out and then we'll start implementing things. And they've talked to a lot of people. and it, But it's going to be interesting when they do decide to make a, a big decision. Um, and the decisions might not be gigantic. They might just be – they might be small things like we're going to condense the final series to the top four teams or, you know, I think there's almost certainly going to be an end to promotion and relegation, which will be a good thing. But I think that – there's not going to be some dramatic revolutionary thing that they'll bring in immediately. But when they do make decisions, it's going to be interesting to see how those decisions are received um, because they're, they're going to have to go with the decisions whether they want them or not. Absolutely. Now, I've got a stupid one for you here. Okay. Could you see the NRL turning into a four-team powerhouse club league like Premier and Super League? No, that no. With there's a salary cap in place. Name the, the, the four best teams of the last fifteen years. Well, you'd have to say Storm. Uh, it might, yeah, Roosters. Maybe Manly. Maybe. Uh, it's it's, yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of proves the point. What are the four? Yeah. What are the four big teams in the Super League of the last fifteen years? So, ah, oh, that's easy. St Helens, Leeds, fucking Wigan. In fifteen, would Bradford still scrape in? Because you'd still <laughs> name Bradford. <laughs> like, probably Warrington. Yeah, maybe Warrington would take their place, seeing as Bradford don't really exist anymore. And you know, Warrington, it's their year this year, though. It is. It is. Yeah. Just ask their fans. Yeah. Um. What would be a pass this season for the Broncos? And why won't they get there? Oh, that's rough. Um. <laughs> I. What would be a pass mark? Look, I think a pass mark would just be a lot of their younger players improving. Although they lost Herbie Farnworth to. Uh, the Dolphins for next year, which I that was one of their signings, which is a really good signing for the Dolphins. 
Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see if they don't get improvement out of some of the young players. I think that one of the things that would be is putting a line through some of the players that they've committed to that are younger, that maybe like I think of a Tony Staggs, right? He's got all the talent you want. He's, he's potentially a, a state of origin player. He's that good. But if he can't stay on the field, you got you just got to move on from him, you know. No, I fully agree with that. Um, they should have kept should have kept both Farnworth and Stags. You can build an entire backline around those two. Yeah, I was surprised they lost Farn Farnworth. Um, the money just must have been too good because he's. A, I really like him as a player. He's a really good player. Absolutely. Oh, he's a good one. Okay. How many players have ended their careers with just one first grade game? And do they have annual get togethers and tell stories about what could have been? I feel like that's targeted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you imagine that? Do you reckon if you played one first grade game, you would say to people that you were a first grader? Like an oath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you go around saying, I, you know, I was going to throw this great pass to the, and then name some great player, but he was out of position. If I had done it, it would have, you know, you know, you can't, it's hard to work with idiots. Do we know, know if, if Paul Kent was actually a pretty good lower grade player? Like, you know how there's no, some he, players that are really good lower grade players? He, he was a handy lower grade player. The problem, no. the problem he had is he played at um, Parramatta and then North Sydney yeah. and, um, yeah, both times he was behind players who were, you know, they were better, so they were constantly in first grade. I mean, obviously, Parramatta is behind Peter Sterling and Brett Kenny. I mean, good fucking luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently, he, I think he moved to North rather late in his career, mm-hmm. which would have been Jason early Taylor. 90s when Jason Taylor and Greg Farmer were at North Sydney. Yeah, and like Jason Taylor, I don't know if he still has it, but like had the record for the most consecutive games played ever. Yeah. And it was a ridiculously long stretch, too. It was like fucking years and, and years, years There was nothing to him, but and wasn't he wasn't a halfback who played with a lot of flair. He played a very controlled, consistent type of footy. Think mm. Chad Townsend type thing. Yeah, he was a he was a uh he he controlled the match. Yeah, more of a general than a, a yeah, playmaker sort of general. thing. Yeah. Um but physically Tough, not not strong physically, but tough. Mm. I remember watching a game of him playing in the finals in was it ninety four or ninety five, and he just every week during the finals, someone was just bashing him in the fucking face with stiff arms, mm-hmm. and he broke his nose three or four times in a final series from memory, and just didn't didn't leave the field. Yeah, um, shitful fucking coach though. <laughs> he was, you know, the and the thing that that probably let him down when I think about it because he was good enough to win a premiership and you just got to look those North's teams towards the end, like the mid nineties North's teams, even I guess early nineties North's teams, because he had, they had a really good long run. Mm. They were always there or thereabouts, but they just didn't have that extra gear you needed in the finals. And he, like you think of him next to Greg Florimo, if he had have had a creator outside of him, Instead yeah. of Florimo, and this isn't a, a bag and Florimo. Florimo was a great player, but he, he they just didn't have that creative extra level to go to, and that's what killed them. And they mm. look that they were running into the likes of 
the Johns and the Fittlers and the fucking Langers at like Dailies and the Stewarts. That's the era. Yeah. You know. Every top team had a few of those players with that X Factor flair about them, but Norse mm. didn't. They had a team full of consistent workers. Yeah. Um like they had some some flashy people out wide, stuff like that. I mean every club had to back then, but when it come to playmakers who could break a game apart, they weren't they they didn't they just didn't have those players in their side. You know, Manly, Brisbane, Canberra, the Knights, even the Sharks towards the mid to late nineties. Mm. Um, they started becoming very successful um as far as winning games goes. Um, they were a bit similar in, in the sense that they didn't have the the X Factor players when they needed them when it came to finals footy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very unfortunate that was about that North Sydney side. Who knows what could have happened to them if they'd have won at least one premiership in that time? Yeah, like if you were if you went even 1996 and said someone in a few years' time Norths will not exist, they would have said there's no fucking way. Yeah, no because, way in the world. And why? Because it rained. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I was thinking about that yesterday. Mm. I was thinking about that yesterday, that it rained in, in Gosford. It put the building, that stadium back uh, like months, and it pissed rain for a long time too. Oh, yeah. The stupid thing was that they weren't allowed to play at North Sydney Oval, and so it meant that all their home games were just played all over the fucking place, and they mm. obviously struggled to win games, and they just fell down the ladder hard. Mm. And... At the beginning of the end, they didn't have a home ground and they, they started to be a team that struggled to be successful. Yeah. It has a lot of similarities to what happened to the Glebe side in 1929 where they had two seasons where they struggled mm-hmm. and the league just went, fuck off. <laughs> we went, Hang on, you carried Annandale and University for over a decade and they never won. They won fuck all. But yeah. Glebe has two seasons where they were not quite so good despite being one of the top three or four teams for their entire existence, no, nah, not good enough by. I think oh, the, the other... The sorry, sorry. I, I was going to say, I think the other thing that killed Norths as well was that it was, you know, close around that time where Souths were out of the competition and there was so much public support to get them back. And then when it came to Norths, there was none. And, and, and so it was just so easy to just move on as a game, you know. Um, That's weird. It's so weird how they just, it was like a switch flicked off. That was it. Yep. Um, Should there be a two-week break before the grand final and we play the All-Stars game then? Two weeks is too long. Yeah, that's nuts. if, If they did one week, it'd be interesting to see how it worked, although I think that... It works at the moment, like the whole sort of setup works at the moment. But you know what I was thinking during the week is the NBA has its all-star game. And then they have a, there's a that little bit of a break there for teams that the players that aren't involved in the all-star game can go away for, you know, five days or so. And they just disappear and then they come back after the all-star game. Um, I wondered, I was thinking during the week, like what would happen if, in the middle of the NRL season, if we had like a couple of weeks break just to let players freshen up, how would that affect the competition? I think it would be a positive for the competition. 
I know that the media would go off its head because number one, they wouldn't have the content to show, but number two, they'd say, Oh, it's given every other, you know, code a, a free kick. That's how they'd frame it. But if we had two weeks off when nothing happened in the middle of the season, I think it'd be positive for the sport overall, the NRL, I mean, in terms of just getting players freshened back up again for the second half of the year. I mean, for decades, we used to have a break in the middle of the season, and that was usually when we had um, either rep teams would play country teams. Mm -hmm. So like Sydney would play Group 13 or something like that. Um, Or... Teams touring from overseas would be playing rep games. Mm-hmm. We put the club season on hold, and we'd have like France versus New South Wales, France versus Sydney, France versus Newcastle, the rep side. Um, sometimes they, you know, later on they'd play against one or two club teams in there, but they try and play most of their games in and around Sydney. Yeah, and even in the um, the sixties, fifties, and sixties, we had club teams in Sydney would play a week or two against country teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they were kind of like trial games because you wouldn't always get the big stars of playing those games. So it's a good opportunity to rest some players and also bring a few younger guys through while also getting a lot of eyeballs on players in regional parts of Australia. And quite a lot of first-grade players would be going to and from regional parts. So it was a good way of spreading the game around a fair bit. Um, you don't have to do that now, but there's no reason why it couldn't be something that they could return to and work with. Now, I wonder if you could <clears throat> have it, you know, have a week off in the middle of the year and maybe have that the week that the World Club Challenge is played or something like that. Um, yeah, look, you could get, like, France to come over and play a test against, um, say, PNG, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga. Mm. They could play... You know, one on a Tuesday, one on a Friday, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then do the same the following week. Um, and then you get four tests out of them in a, in a two-week period. Yeah, it's, it's it's just something I've been thinking about the last – because, it, like, that time off and, and you would want it to be so that they go away from training and everything for a week or 10 days or something like that. Just give them a full break. I feel like it would do something for the competition because it does feel as though there is a point of the season where um, the, the injuries stop being those ones that are, you know, impact injuries and they're more where players are just run down and, and they start getting the you know, the tears and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's one thing that's always surprised me, I guess, about the way Super League and um, Championship and League One teams Mm -hmm. manage their roster compared to the NRL. Um, And I only see this most glaringly when I'm doing, um, you know, data entry team lineups for Rugby League projects. You'll notice that in the NRL, there might be one, maybe two or three changes maximum per week from the previous week for a team's lineup. Yeah. Super League, they'll change three or four players minimum every week. So they're constantly rotating yeah. players. And sure, some may say, you know, it's going to impact on um, cohesion and stuff like that. But at the same time, if they're doing it, if every club's doing it and they're doing it every season, 
what it does eventually build is greater cohesion amongst more players. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to be, and it's a large reason why you get teams like St. Helens, Leeds and Wigan have been, they've managed to hold down the bulk of their rosters for quite a while. So while they may not have genuine NRL elite quality superstars there, what they do have is a bunch of performers at that level mm-hmm. all playing on the same page and all cohesive with one another. And that's what separates them from everybody else because every other team's out there just going, we need just to keep buying random players to try and compete with them. Whereas the teams that are yeah. at the top, they are doing that, not to the same volume. And, and I guess, like, their competition is skewed a lot more than ours. Ours is pretty, like, I mean, there's a point where even if you get the top sides rest, you know, say three players across their 17, they might lose to the 12th place team, you know. And whereas in Super League, I I feel as though that's not as much of a danger as happening. You might still lose that game, but the chances are pretty slim, you know. Very slim. The only reason why a St. Helens team is going to lose to a team outside the top eight is because they've rested eight, nine, ten players. Yeah. You know what? I haven't asked you about this yet. I didn't even ask you before the podcast. What did you think of the World Club Challenge? Like, what did you honestly think of the performance, uh, St. Helens, how Penrith went? Um, What did you think of it all? Some of it went down the way I kind of said it would in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'd be surprised if St. St. Helens are able to score more than 12 points. They got to 13. I mean, you know, not far off there. Mm-hmm. Um, they were playing a lot of second phase play. They were rushing Panthers defensively. Mm-hmm. Panthers were also trying to do the same in return to try and shut down the second phase play. Mm-hmm. And they were not in sync. No. Panthers defense was off their game. And the one thing that I said that would happen that didn't happen, um, cause I even said that I would be surprised if St. Helens, are either in front or the scoreline is very close at half time. That was the case. What didn't happen, though, is I I expected Penrith to learn from the first half Mm. and go up one or two gears in the second half and blow St. Helens away in the second half. I wasn't saying they were going to put 30 points or anything like that, but they'd score like 20 to 12 or something like that. Yeah. Um, And Penrith didn't. And it seemed like they were just kind of stuck in traction. Like they, they couldn't. Nothing was working. Nothing was clicking. They just couldn't get things done. And it wasn't through a lack of effort. I mean, they scored a try on the, you know, three seconds left in the game or something like that. So it wasn't through a lack of trying. Mm-hmm. And that try was the softest try. It was it was very Super League. Yeah. That St. Helens or any Super League team would consider a try like that. Um, but St. Helens' defense is... Unheralded, they, they they deserve a lot more credit than what they were given in that game because mm-hmm. they did not stop doing what they did in the first minute, in the 80th minute. Um, the well, I think the officiating was a bit sloppy. I'm, I'm being kind, I know, but mm-hmm. it was there was times it was inconsistent, times it was a bit sloppy. There was a penalty against St Helens I saw at the end there, and I thought I thought it was for blocking. When St. Helens were going for a field goal attempt, I think it was their first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, 
Really? Yeah, that was a weird one. Uh, like the, the players were basically just they weren't blocking like they weren't in a wall. They were just standing around like they would be if there was going to be a, a crash ball play. It wasn't blocking. And they were entitled to be there. Yeah. And I thought that's that was a weird call. It got mm. Penrith out of trouble. And then it was Penrith's hands that fucked them over in the end, which was a very rare thing to happen. Their ball handling skills let them down. Yes. Uh, Stephen Crichton, mm. his, his game was a horror game. He's... I'm, I'm going to say this, and this is not just because of this game was played. I've not seen him play a good game at fullback. I've seen him have good, really, really good moments at fullback, but not a complete game at fullback. No. You know, um, games where you've been like, oh, shit, maybe he is a good fullback, you know, but then there's things that you then you're like, no, he's better as a centre. And he's fantastic as a centre, you know. Yeah, unbelievable centre. Yeah. He's not a fullback. You know the the thing, as I've got further away from the game, and it's and honestly, anybody that's listening, me and Andrew have not really talked about the game itself. Um, we talked about the result and and my breakup with the Panthers. Well, it's not a breakup; it's just we haven't played. But the thing that got me at the game, and, and maybe I didn't articulate this in my the last episode because I had no right to was that I think that we saw uh, the Roosters really, really fucking go into the, their World Club Challenge games and be like, right, we, we really are on for this. The Penrith performance felt like a lot of other ones where it was like, yeah, you know, I, I, they just didn't feel like it. they were on and whether they weren't on because they didn't care as much about it or they just weren't on or to be fair st helens didn't let them to be on because i can't really say anything about it i fucking got smashed for that game and rightfully so and i deserved everything um so i i just feel like i'm not in a position to really say too much about the game but yeah that was one of the things that i felt yeah and no, i think St. Helens were 100% committed to winning the game and Penrith were about 70%. Okay. That, that's what come across. Um, okay. Yeah, the officiating was sloppy. It was, And it was sloppy in both directions. Mm-hmm. That could have been better. I don't know if it would have changed much from the result of the game. Um, the weather probably had a bigger impact than I thought it would. Yeah, me too, yeah. If it had stayed hot, I think St. Helens would have struggled. They would have wilted in the second half, and that's kind of what a lot of my um, thinking going into the match was going to be based on. But for mm-hmm. it to be raining, that changes things an awful lot. And, and like thrashing down. And at the temperature, it probably dropped 10 degrees between when I got there and kickoff. Um, yeah. And it was it went from being like oh, it's pretty warm to this is fine, you know. Yeah, and that that helped Saints a lot. It kept them in the game for a lot longer than it should have, mm. which hurt Penrith when they weren't handling the ball very well at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think St Helens thoroughly deserved the win in the end. If, if we're completely honest, because they wanted 100%. it more. Yeah, one hundred percent. Look when the when the field goal went over to win the game, I I was clapping. I was like, man, they did it. Like, I was clapping. Because 
and there was a there was some other part in the game. It might have been St. Helens' first try where I found myself clapping, and I'm like, wait, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and it, it was like a it was the sport fan in me was overtaking the Panthers fan in me in that moment. It was kind of funny, and yeah, I. I I was definitely the only person clapping in that fucking stand <laughs> when the field goal went over. Because I was like, they want it, you know? Good on yeah. them. Yeah, that was... Uh, it wasn't a great game of footy either. Mm-hmm. The the weather and the officiating didn't help that one. But mm-hmm. um, no, in the end, Saints, Saints thoroughly deserved it. Yeah. No they, doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um... I think that's about it for the Ask Canty stuff. Most of it's just about him shirt fronting. Yeah, it's well, it's been a pretty good Ask Canty episode, I've got to say. There was some really good questions in there. Uh, I doubt that he answered any of them, but there were some really good questions in there for sure. Yeah, he would have taken the easiest ones in there. Yeah. What would you, what are you, the sort of questions he would have answered would have been stuff like, uh, I don't know. Someone said, what's your second favourite dinosaur? Someone replied, Buzz. Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It would have been some sort of soft thing. Something about yeah. Premiership Window and Mitch Moses, something like that, probably. Yeah. What did you think about Mitch Moses re-signing with the Eels? It's a smart play for everyone. I thought so, too. I thought it, it. there were a lot of ways that could have gone sideways for every single party involved. And I think that it probably went the way that it should have gone. Because yeah. I, I could have seen where the West Tigers signed him for like $1.6 or something ridiculous, which would have he, been bad. He's not the solution for the Tigers. The no. Tigers are going to overpay him. Yeah. Um, he was never going to go back there. And if he did, he wasn't going to be welcome too freely, given him much of a sour taste. He left never in his mouth when he left. Mm-hmm. So it's probably best he stayed where he was. Yeah, the, good good for his career too. Yeah, the eels just, the eels have helped the Tigers dodge a bullet there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd be interested to know how much he's on. I saw, I saw there was criticism, and we've talked about it as well. Where like, how much do you pay for a guy that hasn't really won too much? But they don't have to worry about that halfback spot for a number of years now, and it's hard to argue against that. Fully agree, fully agree. Um, sorry, I was just reading some of the dumb comment by Paul Kent. <laughs> brain just switched off. Okay. It's the, only, it's the only way to deal with it. Hey, did you see Selwyn Cobbo? I don't know where he said it, but he called um, Jerome Luai a grub. I did hear about that, yeah. Yeah, that was very random, hey? Very random. Also, I don't think Luai's a grub. He, uh, to me, he doesn't come across as a grub. Probably, I'd say he says dumb shit, but I put grubbiness down as, you know, dirty play on the field, like yeah. Josh Maguire, you know, grubbing at eyes and shit like that. Mm-hmm. That's a grub. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Reynolds tripping people. That's grub behaviour. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any little ice doing that sort of shit. No, I don't think I have either. Like, no. so I think I think that's pretty dumb from Cobbo. Yeah, and it just no, felt... It's not like he's got form, though, saying it's dumb shit himself. Yeah, true. But it it just felt like super random. Like, why is the Broncos like winger talking about the Panthers halfback? Like, make for an interesting game. Their first up games against the the Broncos. 
but like they're not even going to face off one another. It's one's a winger. It's it was very random. Exactly right. That's fucking docile. Mm. Mm. Um. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you about that one after the episode. Okay. Um, <laughs> geez, there's some good ones going further down. Let's just say someone changed their name to Brett Finch and asked him a question. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's some stuff that people can check out for themselves on here. Um, well, with, with that being said, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow we're going to do our season preview. It's going to be big and fucking in-depth and awesome. Big, um, thick, veiny. It's going to be awesome. Meaty. Yeah. Epic. You're going to love it. Girthy. Um, <laughs> girthy. Love it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out on the socials on Twitter and Instagram at Virgo Freak Pod. I think we've even got some questions up on the Insta page there, so uh, get in on that. And we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Check us out on all of those as well. Like, subscribe, all that jazz. Um, and thanks for tuning on this episode. We'll catch you all next time. <laughs>